listening to Colin Bradley Artcast with Colin Bradley and Stephen Bradley. Hello and welcome to Colin Bradley Artcast. I'm Stephen Bradley. And I'm Colin Bradley. Hi Dad, how are you doing? I'm doing okay with all the problems in the world at the moment, uh, particularly in uh, your part of the world, in London. They seem to be uh, manifesting, don't they, Um, uh, in quite a very, very different way to a normal way of life. But we're coping, Steve, yes, and of course we're very fortunate. uh, Being on the internet, we have, um, at the moment anyway, we have uh, not the same problems that other people have. And, and I don't either, because I'm still working like mad, doing some uh, work. So yeah, and you, so we're both busy. We're lucky, really. We've not been affected greatly at the moment by it. Um, no, but we're just remaining optimistic and hopeful and looking after ourselves. Really, I think that's all we can do. That's right. Absolutely. Yep. So, um, anyway, today we're going to talk about uh, some. We're going to answer some more questions. We're going to build from what we uh, discussed in last week's podcast uh, Mm -hmm. these lists of questions that were sent over that are are fantastic questions we discussed last week the general side of uh, of your art career um, and lots of tips and hints based on your experience of your uh, career and now we're going to move on to the technical side so we're going to talk about some art related questions that are to do with um, just more technical really um so some of these we've covered before some of them we haven't um but we've just read through them and they're very good questions so we thought we'd uh use this as a platform to answer them and as i say some people would have heard these answers before but um some people might not have so mm-hmm. it's, it's always a good idea anyway to to bring them back up again because uh, people perhaps have forgotten or perhaps uh, you know pushed it to the back of their mind and I think it's really important to um, uh, to reiterate yeah because they are important questions and they're on people's mind Mm. so I think uh, we're doing the right thing here Mm. okay so question number one a a topic that we have discussed a fair bit in the past but let's crack on with it anyway Uh, question one is will fixative always dull and darken the appearance of a finished pastel piece piece or does it mean i've used too much is there an alternative right yes it is a good question and it's one that um foxed me when i first started because i was using the carbothello pastel pencils at that time they're not quite as or they weren't then quite as um strong as some of the others would be like uh, karen dash would be um a little bit stronger or more pigment shall i say However, when I when I would spray my work, it went dull, and that worried me when I first started. But what I used to do then was fix it, and then go over the top of it with more uh, pastel to brighten the uh, appearance of the piece up. I tended to find that it was always the lighter colours, like the ivories and the light greys and the whites. They were the ones that were dulled and uh, the darker colors weren't too bad but of course you've always got the light colors in a picture so 
the answer to this really would, yes, it, it would. Fixative always will dull and darken. And the only way to get over that, if you wanted to fix your work, is to do what I did originally. But that's a lot of fuffing about, to be honest with you. And I, I in the end, I gave up and I didn't fix, I, I recommended people not fix their work. And I've had that same um, viewpoint for the last 25 or more years since I gave up doing what I said I did. And I've not really found it to be a problem, certainly not for me. Obviously, with pastel, you have, it doesn't dry out, so you do have a smudgeability, and uh, you just have to be careful. So is there an alternative? No, not really, uh, because the, uh, the fixative by its very nature, will sort of take all the molecules of the pastel and wrap them up in a little ball so you get a like a hard surface. Now, this is okay in as much as it won't smudge. Well, actually, it will, because if you put pressure on it, you'd, you'd break the fixative. So, in a way, that's not going to be very good. And for the last, let's say, 25 odd, odd years, I've been doing my work and I've recommended others. And as long as you, you're careful and as long as you explain to your framer that uh, it is a vulnerable piece, once it goes behind glass, it never moves. As you know, I've got several pictures hanging in, uh, in our house and there's never been fixed and they look absolutely fine, mm. as good as the day. Um, I think the earliest one was 1987, yeah. the picture that I did. And it still looks as fresh it as it does. was then. Yeah, so, yeah. see what I mean? So, I think we we can sort of put this one to bed, really. Yeah. But it's always up to the individual. I mean, if if you feel that you want to do it or you feel you, you have to do it, then do it. But be prepared for it to, to, to dull and darken and lose its luster takes the life out of it yeah it's up to it's always up to the individual i just tell people what i find and have found to be the right course of action yeah excellent okay moving on to the next question would you ever use normal cartridge paper for pastels or, or is it best to use a specific paper and i never use um cartridge paper ever for pastels no is the answer to that there's no need for that because pastel paper is is um, widely available. Oh, there's lots and lots and lots of different kind, and um, I would certainly always recommend the Ongre, which we sell, and the pastel mat paper, which we also sell. We wouldn't be selling it if we didn't like it. There are other papers um, that are people do use. And quite successfully. But if we're talking about me and what I would use and would recommend, then I would recommend, generally speaking, I recommend the Ongre paper for people starting out because it's not so hard to use as the pastel mat. And the reason for that is that uh, pastel mat, you need to put more pastel on. And as long as you're prepared to do that and work at it, then you'll get a better result. Mm. So, but I've had some fantastic uh, results with the on grey paper. And 
as I say, it's not so difficult to uh, use and also to erase. If you wanted to erase a, a section on engray paper, it will come off. Yeah. No problem. If you want to try that with um, pastel mat, it's not so easy to erase. It will come off, but it's not easy. Mm. I know some people can wash them. As I've heard of this before. You can use water on it. I certainly wouldn't do that. Never, ever would I ever do that. Yeah, that's brave. <laughs> so I hope that helps. Mm. Uh, so you've got my two recommendations. But there are other papers, and I would suggest people try them. Velour is another one that uh, some people like. I don't like it because it makes it look too, um, what can I say, unnatural, in my opinion. That's probably not the right word, but that's the only word I can think of because I like a natural effect. I like a, a dog to look like a dog, yeah. but not like a, um, you know, a, a smutty version of one. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry about that. I, I, I'm knocking the lure, but I shouldn't do that. It's just I don't like it. It's as simple as that. Yeah. Okay. Next question. What is the best technique for adding really sharp, crisp, detailed white whiskers over the top of layered pastels on animals? It's a very, very simple answer to that. A very sharp pencil. You've got If your pencil isn't sharp, you'll smudge what you're going over, especially if it's a, a cat or, a, a, you know, a, an animal where you've got quite a lot of uh, pastel in the surrounding area that you're going to put the whiskers on. And if you have a sharp pencil, the other thing is um, you've got to whisk, you've got to zip them in. Now, zipping means you've got to be very positive. You can't think, oh, I'll take my time with producing whisk whisker because it won't work like that. You've got to be sharp, sharp pencil and very positive with it. And I've never had a problem. Yeah. Uh, but other people do have problems. And it's usually because their pencil's blunt or they um, take their time. Yeah. You've got to be brave, haven't you? And just Oh, you've got to be brave. Yes. Be confident. Yes. I think, you know, the best way of, of, of helping people here is to um, use a piece of spare paper and do whiskers, just whiskers. Practice of zipping. If you watch me, I've done, God, I've done a lot of zipping in my time. Yeah. If, if people watch me and then just do what I do, because if you've got a spare paper, it's not going to matter. So you can get a bit more confident. Yeah. And once you get used to that, you'll get them. What is a mistake is people think that they could use soft pastel. That doesn't work because if you, even if you sharpen a soft pastel, because of its very nature, it will crumble quite quickly. Yeah. And then you'll end up with a thicker line that you want. Mm. So a sharp, generally of all the pastel pencils I've got, of the four makes that I use, the Faber-Castell is definitely the best one. Yeah. Is that because it's harder? It's harder and it sharpens to a really, really fine point. You've got to really make sure that that point is, is sharp the, because it cuts through then all the uh, pastel that's been laid on the subject. Yeah. Fab. Excellent. Okay, cool. Next question. With so many different brands of pastels and papers, how do I choose which to buy? Well, I've 
sort of covered that in the previous question in as much as I recommend the Ongre paper, the paper we use, if you're starting out. It's always a good, and it's been tried and tested by thousands of people now, and it, we sell lots and lots of it. And so with that proviso, I would say that that would be the one that I would choose if you're starting out. But when you advance and you get better and better at pastels, then I would certainly, the pastel mat, again, is our recommendation. But there are others, and uh, it, the only thing I can suggest is people try them. Mm. And as for pastel pencil as well, again, there's quite a lot to choose from. The four brands that we have, Faber-Gastel, Cretacolor, Carpatello, and the Caran d'Ache, are very, very good pencils. And those are the ones that I would use or do use and would recommend people buy. However, there's a lot of them. So which do you start with? I think if it was, if I was going for beginning again, I'd definitely go for the Faber-Gastel because they are, they're hard pastels. You can sharpen them pretty easily with a blade. We always recommend blades as opposed to pencil sharpeners. And they have served me really well. Now, now if you, the other one, I would probably recommend people buy if they're starting out, and I emphasize if they're starting out, then Cretacolor or Carbothello, again, would be good pencils to use. They do tend to break more than the Faber-Castell. That's the only thing you've got to watch. So you've got to watch the, your sharpening. Caran d'Ache is, I would say, is the um, the most difficult to use, but they are, without doubt, a very, very good addition to our arsenal, um, simply because they're softer, so they don't have the same... Um, detail quality if you wanted something to put some detail in something it's not so easy with the caran d'ache but they are really good to add to and to brighten up the um, the colors they've got some wonderful colors in them so each one of those has got their own particular um, quality but if people are starting out and i possibly you know this is where these questions come in I would certainly recommend Faber-Castell. Yeah. They all have their own different place. Oh, they do. Because when you're Mm. looking at uh, multiple brands, you're looking at having a broader spectrum of colours. And I think Mm. the Faber-Castell being just 60 um, is is quite uh, good for those that that are starting out and have a structure and obviously Mm. all of of our courses are based around that range Mm. Um, a lot of the courses only use that range so it's quite good for people uh, to get used to and then as they get more confident and what more colours and more tones they'll find them in our courses but also um, doing their own pictures and as they get more confident themselves they can branch into Mm expanding their range of tones and colors and exactly as you've done exactly what i've done and you'll find that even now the majority of the pencils i use in the projects are the fabric cell and then i add on the cretacolor carbatello and um caran d'ache it depends what i'm doing 
and depends uh, the subject. But um, I'm in my element at the moment with, um, oh, I don't know, 200 and up, is it? Must be 200 and up, pencil, 300 perhaps. At least. The yeah. whole lot of them anyway. <laughs> and uh, I, I'm in my element because I can go through all of them and then think, mm, which one is perfect for this particular job based on the fact that um, either I want a, a detailed uh, area where I would almost certainly use the Faber-Castell, or I want something softer or brighter. Um, the last picture I did, which was a bird, had multicolours in it, and I used multicoloured pencils mm. and from the whole range. So it gives you an idea of, of the potential. But we are talking about um, a little further on, I would say. When you're starting out, you don't want to... It's confusing to have all those pencils. Yeah. But uh, as people and many of our members now are really doing really well and getting to to super pictures, and uh, they are getting to the stage where they will certainly would need to extend their range and um, the textures. Yes. Yes, that's it. It's not just about the colours, it's about the textures, as you no, mentioned, not having at all. a softer effect. Mm. Well, just, just out of interest, Steve, and um, I sent you a picture, a photograph yesterday, which um, of uh, the new picture that I'm doing with just four pencils. Yeah. Now, two of them are Creta Colour, and two of them are Faber-Castell. Mm. Now, I had 200 odd pencils 250, 160 pencils to choose from. And I've chosen four pencils, two Faber-Castell and two Kretaka. This gives somebody and some people an idea of how varied you can be. And the reason I've chosen the, the uh, Faber-Castell is because I needed sharp pencils and one particular colour. And the reason I've chosen the Kretaka colour is they are soft dish and there's a particular colour, I won't go into it now, but you'll find out when you see the picture. It's absolutely perfect for the image that I'm creating. Yeah. Now, originally, I chose six pencils. And as I started doing the picture, I realised I didn't need the other two, so I discarded them. Oh. You see, this is the sort of thing that you can do when you get to the point where you have... Um, experience and you have the array of, of materials to use just gives people an idea of how um, I operate now yeah if I hadn't got those two credit color I would could have still done it and I do when I'm doing the picture I say folks if you haven't got these pencils you could use an alternative and, and people can but if you want to do what I do you probably have to do those the way I'm doing it. Yeah. So anyway, uh, that's enough of that. No, it's good. It's good. Yeah, but it's well, interesting. Well, I think people find that interesting. Mm, definitely. Okay, so the last question here is really interesting. When selling prints, do you provide a copy of the signed original and then sign it again with the limited edition number? Or do you photograph it prior to signing so that the print has original has an original signature on it? with a duplication yes exactly what uh, that last one and um, when it's photographed or printed or scanned or whatever you do and 
you get it if you get it done professionally or you do it yourself you would you would provide the limited edition on decent quality paper and then you would sign it again so, so you'd have two signatures in fact you'd have the signature on the we, we I prefer to call it a print rather than a photograph um, that would be already there and then you would sign it again with the original with the um, usually if it's a limited edition then you are uh, either selling it as a limited edition or you're selling it as just a print right. if it was just a print you wouldn't put a number on it yeah which I've uh, should have done on some of my pictures that actually sold out originally yeah and I, I really regretted that if I hadn't done that I could have carried on and selling them for a lot longer but once you put a limited edition on and you have a number like if you do say 250 you have number 65 of 250 you see what I mean yeah. and then you put your own proper signature underneath if it doesn't have that you you wouldn't be able to sell it as an original effectively limited edition so you sign the picture finish the picture get the print yep. done and then on yep. the print you sign it again with a number yeah but it's not on the print itself it would be, be, be underneath the print on, on the, the white on, on the, the white, white. that's Outside. right yeah yep yep that's how you would do it yeah okay good yeah i don't, I don't know if we've covered that before I don't think we have, Steve. In 235 no. podcasts, I don't think we've covered that. <laughs> Maybe we have. Maybe we have. Well, I had two, I've had two, two runs of prints, just out of interest. I had two runs of prints uh, that I did way, way, way back. They were in watercolour. They weren't in um, pastels. And I had um, 250 in one. And did I have – I think I only made 100 of the other one because I didn't think it was going to sell. And it did. And sold out completely. Both both lots of prints sold completely, and I didn't half regret that. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> but then, on the other hand, though, I sold them as a limited edition. So maybe if I just signed them, they may not have gone so quick. True. People know that. You see, if they've got a limited edition, they know that that, that you know you're it's only going to produce that many prints. Yeah, yeah. It's more special. It's expensive. anyway. That's all water under the bridge, Steve. Okay. Okay. Excellent. Well, thanks, Dad. That's uh, that's covered the technical questions that Teresa originally sent over. So thank you, Teresa, for sending them. Uh, we've got another podcast to do, uh, which we'll probably do next week, which is to do with the business of art, which is going to be interesting. So I, I don't think we've discussed a lot of that before. Um, no. So we've done it in bits, I expect, Steve, over probably. a period. But th yeah. now we're putting it in, in a nutshell here. Yeah. So I hope everyone's enjoyed that. We'll be back next week. I hope everyone's staying safe and being careful. Um, fingers crossed we'll get through all this uh, really quickly and then we'll be back to normal. I would also add to that, Steve, what you just said, that um, once people get into art, you forget all the troubles. Mm. So you might have a lot of problems and everybody's got them at the moment, but if you did, this is what I do. If I've got any um, stresses or hang-ups, I get the old pencils out and start working and it, forget everything. Everything's forgotten. Until I put the pencils down, switch the machines off and think, oh, now I've got all those problems back again. But at least while you're doing the artwork, you've got that um, relief from it all. Yeah. So get and do your pictures, folks. True that. Very true. 
Okay, thanks everyone for listening. I'm Stephen Bradley. And I'm Colin Bradley. Enjoy Enjoy your week. week.